all go a little mad sometimes. You're listening to Bloody Mary's Queer Horror Podcast. This episode, we're reviewing Titan. When there's no more room in hell, I will walk the earth. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> oh, and my pronouns are they, them. I'm the novel coronavirus, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> my pronouns are also they, them. Um, some uh, content notes for this. Uh, it's quite the smorgasbord. Of, uh, of trigger points. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, uh, amongst other things, binding, scars, abortion, murder, general body horror, injections. Just, it's, just, it's, it's quite a violent <clears throat> film. It's quite a violent film. Exercise caution with your ears, uh, if any of these may be upsetting or distressing. Um, and also spoiling and swearing. Of spoiling, course, oh, Spoiling. Spoilage and swearage. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Titan, or since it's French, I suppose it's Titan. Titan. <laughs> I actually don't know how you so would say that. So it's quite cute. <laughs> it's not a cute film. It's not cute. Um, <laughs> uh, but it is, however, a 2021 body horror film uh, written and directed by Julia Ducournau. Ducournau? <laughs> oh, Ducournau mustard. Um, <laughs> uh, Ducournau. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, the uh, it's a French Brazilian co-production, uh, and the main character is played by Agathe Roussel, <laughs> and Good. it's her feature film debut. Um, so this film's been described as uh, subverting the modes of art house and blockbuster horror. Uh, surprisingly, since we were worried about finding a version with subtitles <laughs> it's fairly uh, uh oh it's almost wordless the film i didn't There's think about that very yeah, little dialogue in it that's right um mainly because the main main character doesn't speak for the vast majority of it maybe yeah, she doesn't even she, say that much and in... she's mute for quite a lot of it like we're playing mute yeah you're right mm. um so uh this uh film uh one uh, best film at the Palm Door at Cannes. Palm Door. Um, she's uh, Julia De Curno is uh, only the second female director to win, um, and only the fourth woman uh, to win any of the awards. Oh wow! Um, what? <laughs> That's terrible. The uh, the last woman who won was Jane Campion, who won the award in 1993 for the piano. Oh. Um, the, uh, so during the ceremony, though, there was a, a little faux pas on the part of uh, jury president Spike Lee, um, who was told in French to reveal the first prize, but he misinterpreted the phrase to reveal, to, sorry, the phrase to mean first place. 
uh, which meant that he uh, he revealed who'd won the Palm Door uh, like at the beginning of the ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie! <laughs> Whoops. Um, um, just because we love a fainting moan uh, at the film's North American premiere um, at the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, an audience member did faint during the film. Oh, done a faint. Um, yeah, but luckily enough, medical help was was there in the audience. Ah! Um, <laughs> Thank God. What a detail. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so this was supposed to uh, start filming in April 2020, but uh, but th- th- something came up. Something. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> the so, <nameless> thing. <laughs> <laughs> so principal photography eventually began in September 2020. Um, there's not bags of trivia about this film because it's very, very new. Um, but, uh, I did find some interesting quotes from the director and writer, Mm. Julia DeCurno, because I was not, I looked it up kind of halfway through the film because I had to be like, is this transphobic? Like, I couldn't, I felt a bit uncomfortable. I think I've heard people say that they thought it was, actually. So, um, uh, you'll find out why when we go into the plot, obviously. But, um, so she said, from the get-go, I, oh, this is not necessarily about the gender stuff. So, in a nutshell, the main character is a serial killer. And in order to, uh, escape, uh, getting caught, um, she masquerades as a boy. Mm. Um. So, uh, but this is about the murdering side. So she says, from the get-go, I absolutely did not want to justify my character's violence. And I did not want to psychologize the fact that she's a psychopath. Um, she then said, when women kill in movies, it's very often linked to a cause that is explained. Explained, There is justification. Men can be inherently violent for no reason. But for women, it's utterly unacceptable, she said. With, uh, with Alexia... Um, who's the main character she's uh, she's depicted as someone who can kill with no emotion or no justification um and decurno said in this interview that she wanted to break with the social construct that women are designated victims who can't or won't retaliate uh she then said this very active very div- oh so sorry this is in relationship to her so the main character essentially has sex with a car Again, we, we, we will get into that. She also has sex with a fire truck a bit later. On, but, um, we will get into that. Um, and she talks about this relationship she has with kind of cars. And she says, this very active, very devouring relationship with the car makes her reclaim the narrative over the patriarchy. What? <laughs> I know. And makes her, her own desire prevail over a symbol of masculinity. That bit, I think, is fine. The first part is a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Decono said that the film's presentation of uh, gender is not part of an agenda, <laughs> but rather born out of realizations she had long ago about her own identity, which was, and I quote, uh, that my gender was something that is purely a social construct and that it somehow limited me as an individual. She said, Alexia is an extreme embodiment of that philosophy, having no attachment to any gender, as Decono described her. Um, so then she goes on to say, while trying to question and debunk and subvert the gender stereotypes, I tried to also portray a world where there are more options and we actually do not need to evolve in two genders, which are incredibly limiting. Um, Decano said, having a character that evolves beyond gender was absolutely normal. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about this because I'm not sure that the character does evolve beyond gender. I think it very conveniently flips between two very distinct I mean, there are parts where you don't know whether, um, for example, I mean, this is in the details of the story, but whether the, the dad is sort of being purposely blind to her body 
um, and still thinking of her as his son, despite the body, um, which I guess could be in that way, sort of explain, I don't know, like talking about sort of, some sort of like weird gender blindness. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and I don't think it's kind of like uh, nuanced enough to sort of uh, make it, like intellectualize it in that way. <laughs> I, I don't think the film is as smart as that suggested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's it's largely got very positive reviews though. Yeah. Um, but I did pick out a couple of negative ones just because I'm a negative fan. <laughs> So Peter Bradshaw of The Guardian gave the film two out of five stars oh and compared it unfavorably to Jacono's previous film, which was called Raw. Um, we should watch that. And uh, <laughs> he said, everything is so labored and crudely directed without the style and sympathy of Raw. And then Jude Dry in IndieWire was also critical of the film um, and uh, said it was a deeply misogynist movie with a healthy side of transphobia. Oh, wow. I don't um, I think that's a bit too far. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I think about it yet. Maybe we'll have figured it out by the end of the <laughs> Yes, maybe. <laughs> That's... It begins with a car ride for those who aren't fluent uh, like Alex and I are in Francais. Um, uh, it's a father and a daughter. And the daughter is Alexia um, and she's being a nuisance. Absolute um, past. And she takes her seatbelt off and she's kind of jiving around. Jiving? And uh, her father, who's driving around, turns around to try and restrain her and the car crashes. Um, uh, we then see Alexia uh, at hospital following a procedure to put a titanium plate in her head. She is titanium. Um, uh, or at least the plate in her head is. Um, <laughs> she's, after, after she's released, she's very like dismissive of her parents, but she goes up to the car the family, the other car, presumably. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and she hugs and kisses the car. Yeah. Um, we then flash forward to present day and we see Alexia as an adult uh, with a very prominent scar on the side of her head. Yeah. Um, she's now working as a sexy dancer at a motor show. Um, and following a show, she's uh, followed... Oh, that's following, following, following. Uh, she's followed uh, to her car by a man who tells her that he rec- he's met her before. He He's in love with her. And then he forcibly kisses her. And at first, it seems like she sort of gets into, gets it. into it. But then she removes a large metal hairpin. A, it's a very large. It's like a it's chopstick. Like a n- knitting needle. Yeah. Um, uh, from her hair and stabs him through the ear. And then he does a sort of frothy soup sick yeah, down her Yeah, down her, and yeah, it's quite visceral. And then he dies. Um, so she goes back into the uh, the building that the car show was in and uses the shower to get all of her soupy sick off the back. <laughs> yes. um, and uh, she hears noises from outside. So she goes outside and her car has turned itself on. Um, and mm, the, literally. literally. <laughs> and the... Um, the uh, what they call the lights, headlights, headlights are on, <laughs> and she nakedly uh, walks to the car, uh, gets in it, and I, I'm I'm loath to say she has sex with the car because she she's, she's sort in of... the back seat and she's like strapped in with the the seatbelts around her arms and, and she's, she's just sort of, sort of riding and grinding. Around. You don't see any kind of 
downstairs penetration no. or anything. Um, but we know that penetration does not always sex. Um, and then she comes. Yeah. Um, so uh, we then see her at home. Uh, she lives with her parents, who she's got a very cold relationship with. Um, and there's a TV news bulletin on in the background about a serial killer. And I think we're supposed to infer from it that uh, that she is that serial killer. Yeah. Um, she. Uh, we also see a very f- uh, brief flash of a um, of a, a, a boy that's been missing for ten years, and that comes back into it a bit later. Um, so uh, she mentions to her mother that she's got stomach pain, and the father, who I guess is a doctor or something, yeah, um, like prods at her belly and says, "There's nothing wrong with you." Um, so she finds out that she's pregnant uh, when she notices that she's secreting motor oil from her vag. Is that? Um, oh yeah, that's the first. I forgot. I thought it was uh, later on, but yeah, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty, it gets into it pretty quickly. Um, the uh, so baby daddy is is the car. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, we both thought at that point that at the same time uh, Sean said it first, so that she was going to pop out a little micro machine. <laughs> <laughs> the the pitter patter of a tiny micro machine. <laughs> um, she then, uh, in quite a distressing scene, uh, tries to administer an abortion yeah. uh, using the same uh, large hairpin chopstick weapon. Um, yes. Uh, so we then see her on, I think, on a beach with her co-worker, Justine. Sure. Um, and uh, they they smooch a bit. And um, she, start, she like, lifts up her top. And uh, Justine's got a nipple pierced. Um, and uh, Alexia really fixates on the nipple. The metal. Yeah. The and, nipple. and she's just like, is this your first time with girls? Because you can move further down if you want. But she doesn't. No. Instead, she's kind of like... Starts like pulling at at the piercing with yeah. the teeth and really stretching the nipple. Up. It looks awful. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Justine reasonably um, makes her stop, like kind of pushes her away, and is horrified. But then invites her back to a house. I think uh, so. It's unclear what's going on at the house because at first you're led to believe it's just the two of them. Yeah, and then just suddenly people start popping up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, uh, she they're, they're smooching on the sofa, but then she she kills her with the hairpin as well. Um, and then a guy comes down the stairs just in little pants. Yeah. Um, and uh, she also murders him, this time with a chair through his mouth. Oh, God, that was gross. Um, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> she puts the chair, like, into his mouth and then, like, squishes it down through the back mm. of his neck, essentially. Yeah. And then she sits, then she on, sits it. on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty gruesome. Um, she then uh, finds out that there's another guest there and she goes upstairs and it's a naked guy. And no, she, and she's but like, no, at first there's oh, like that woman on the stairs who oh, yeah. sees the sort oh, yeah. of like the mess and, and is like, call the police. Yeah, and, and she like runs into the bathroom and then she sees the naked guy and she's like, how many people are here? <laughs> um, and then she uh, she kind of, it seems like she's sort of seducing him, but then she stabs him. Is it with a crowbar? Yeah, she like has this crowbar that, I don't know where she gets that from. But anyway, she like stabs him in the back with the sharp mm. bit of the crowbar, essentially. Um then uh, the woman comes out of the bathroom and tries to make a, a run for it, but they have a tussle on the stairs, and then the woman manages to escape. Alexia returns home and sets her house on fire uh, with her parents locked in their bedroom. Oh, yeah, fuck. Um, 
So then uh, we then see her in a station of some sort. I don't know if it's a train station or something. Yeah, it looks like a sort of international travel station of some sort. Oh, yes, the international travel station. No, but like, a, like, a, like of, an of, airport or like a kind of like train station that goes abroad. But I don't know why I'm saying that. It just it looks very kind of like futuristic. Lots of like screens and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so she sees a wanted uh, sign of her on uh, on like one of those electric signs. Um, and then also spots a poster of Adrian Legrand, uh, who is the child that's been missing for 10 years since he was seven. And there's like a picture of him as a child. And what? A picture She's of... meant to be 17? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, and then there's a picture of, uh, of him that's been like digitally aged up. Um, so she goes into a bathroom and uh, she cuts her hair really short. Uh, she binds her chest uh, with like bandages i thought it was toilet roll yeah i was like well that's not gonna hold um but no it's bandages and then she also binds her belly which is starting to show signs of of baby car (laughs) beep 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 um uh, she then uh tries punching a nose to try and break it and that's not working so instead she like no you screamed you screamed at this bit she uh she then like lifts her head up and smashes it off the end of the sink um, it's kind of comical how little she looks like <laughs> what the person would look like. Um, yeah, she ends up with a sort of a comedy witch nose after she breaks yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. um, so she goes into a police station and declares that she's Adrian. Uh, and her his father, I should say, Vincent, um, accepts Alexia as his missing son, um, but refuses to do a DNA test. Yeah, weird. Um, there's, I, I should have looked at the name of the documentary, but I mentioned this to you that there is a documentary about someone who did pretend is to it be called someone. Imposter. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it, but I've heard about it. It's weird, but it's. I. It, there's a. There's an echo of this in it. Just that. Um, that it seems like his family know it's not him, but kind of want it to be. So kind of... Yeah, like glossing. They're <laughs> a bit more inclined to believe it than perhaps they would be if they weren't, you know, grieving their yeah, missing yeah, child. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Vincent is... <clears throat> oh, excuse me. It's oh. COVID. Um, <laughs> Vincent uh, is a fire captain. Um, and he takes uh, his, his, retur- his prodigal son... Oh. Um, uh, Alexia to the station uh, and he lives and works at the station and introduces her to the other firemen uh, the fire, the other firefighters are um, they're, they're, they're very laddie for now <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> and they are very uh, kind of bewildered by um, Adrian um, and he so he's he's wearing like a cap the father's like cut like half his hair off yeah, they, um, they like, start cutting the hair and then it just stops, I think. Like, I think it's because it's over the... It's like rattling on the titanium yeah. or something. So she, she makes him stop, but then he just doesn't do the other half. And, uh, yeah, she's like also... Like, he's put this kind of metal cast on hmm. her nose. We can use her pronoun. Like, he, she, he, she, her. Well, or, like, she, I mean, she's not transitioning, uh, no. is she? She's... Uh, um, yeah, she, so... She's <laughs> the, uh, this is, I think... Yeah, we'll come back to this, but yeah. I think this is where some of the problem lies. Um... They um, they uh, they don't ask. They don't really. Qu- although they kind of like poke fun at her a bit, they don't really go big on it because I think because the boss is their boss. Yeah, they they kind of um, respect the boss. They're like a bit scared of him yeah. by the looks of it. Um, the uh, so the. 
uh, Vincent gives the son lots of the son lots of responsibility, um, and the firefighters I think start to get a little bit more like jealous about it. And one of them, whose name I can't remember, begins with an R. It's uh, uh, Rayan. Rayan. Maybe it's Ryan in French. Like Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> oh no, it's raining. <laughs> Bring in the oh, watering. <laughs> raining cats and doges. <laughs> um, uh, there's a moment where uh, Rayan uh, sees a missing po- a wanted poster for Alexia and kind of clocks. Yeah. Quite early on, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for now, doesn't mention it to anyone. Um, uh, until now, which is when <laughs> <laughs> um, they have this weird uh, um, <laughs> sort of gay disco. So they have two little gay discos yeah. <laughs> where the firemen, like, when they're off duty, they all just get together in the fire station and, like, take their tops, tops off. off and and the, the first one is very, like, kind of synthy and gay. The second one's a bit more aggressive later on. Yeah. But it's very strange. Um and uh, the whole time, Rayanne's like kind of scowling at Adrian and then goes up to Vincent and starts saying something. And it's immediately shut down by Vincent, who just doesn't want to hear. Yeah, he's like, don't you say anything about my son. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Um, also, I, I can't really impress on you how little dialogue there is in this. Yeah. Story. Have you, I mean, like, have we got past the stage where, like, um, like yeah, like, obviously, like, um, what, what are we calling Alexa? Adrian. Alexa? Adrian is like not speaking at all. And yeah. the dad is just like, say something, say something. And just like, just like, Alexa's refusing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know whether it's because she doesn't want to get clocked with like a female voice or whether she's just like, I, I think also part of it is that she's like trying to absorb like information about who she's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Cause there's that, the scene where she goes into the dad's room and like looks through the photos and uh, and I think she's trying to learn like a bit more about her mm. past, essentially. Um, but yeah, sorry. That's, uh... I do think at this stage, though, this seems to be in her mind a short term arrangement. Um, I don't think she's she, from the beginning that she was planning on. Yeah, because um, doesn't she tries to escape quite early on? But there's like the dad has does. locked her. Sorry, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead in what you've written and what you've got written. Yes, yeah, so, well, so initially she is locked in her room, and it's because the father doesn't want him to go missing again. Yeah, yeah. Um, the um uh and then there is a time where she does semily semily semilina sem she semi successfully semily uh, <laughs> escapes but then decides against it so um we find out that uh that Vincent uh injects himself with steroids do we know that they're steroids? I mean they have to be steroids don't they uh, like... I mean he's pretty buff yeah yeah um uh and uh but it seems that he's building an immunity to them um and the, the first time we see it it's like he's naked um is he completely naked in that first scene actually or does he pulls yeah. his bum out um to inject it but he's got like he clenches his buttock and it looks like a really angry walnut <laughs> it does, it does. <laughs> but in a different in, the, in another scene he does have a very great bum oh i mean like his body is like one of those kind of like muscle bodies that i never see in real life so it's just mm. like i'm not used to what a clenched muscle bum looks like <laughs> <laughs> <You're>, that, <laughs> Uh, this is my uh, nephew, Clenchley Mus- <laughs> Musclebum. Um, <laughs> um, so Alexia is, uh, he's very possessive of, of her. And um, and she makes her way to escape and she gets on a bus. And there are these uh, these men being really, really awful to this woman on the bus. On the bus. And she, uh, Alexia seems a bit conflicted. 
And I think... Um, that scene, yeah, I couldn't figure out what it was meant to be about. What we meant I to hated think. it. I hated it because it was just like... I mean, obviously, what the director says, she doesn't want you to kind of... She's not justifying the behavior of this person anymore. But I wanted that to be a glimmer of like... I'm going to stand up for this woman. Yeah. And she doesn't she just gets off the bus. And like she's obviously scared that she would put herself in a vulnerable position, but she's proven herself that she can handle herself. Yeah. Um, and she also looks kind of like I've thought in this scene, like she looks especially kind of like gaunt and scary for some reason. Because mm-hmm. she's like glaring back at the woman who's kind of like pleading with her eyes, like, yeah. Can you help me? And she's just like glaring blankly at her and she looks kind of really creepy at that mm-hmm. point, I thought. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, she decides to go back, um, back to the uh thingy and he when she gets home he has passed out from a an unsuccessful injection and she sort of cradles him yeah um, in the bathroom in the very, pink very lovely bathroom. pink bathroom yes. um uh so the the mother turns up vince's ex-wife yeah um and comes to visit her son. She very clearly immediately <laughs> realizes that she's it's like, not no. him. Um, <laughs> but she also is trying to get him to come and stay with her instead because she's worried about the closeness or like his the father's like possessiveness. Oh, is that what I thought? It was that she was glad that she that he had someone. Not at first, because uh... at first when they're at the table, she's like, "You need to come and stay with me. You need." to uh, oh, and then so she then walks into the bedroom, into the son's bedroom later, and sees um, the sees her with her wabs and her pregnant yeah, why belly is she out naked in the middle because of the she started to leak no. uh, petrol or whatever it is from, yeah. her, from her nipples. Um, oh yeah, that's so like gushing out. But... Yeah, um, and uh, she uh, she basically says. Um, she she keeps it to herself, but she says uh, she she makes she says to her uh, this is actually a bit that I really like, and she said, um, "I don't know what you're doing exploiting his fucking folly. Just look after him." Uh-huh. Um, and I think it's quite nice. I think maybe the mother's my favorite character. Um, and then uh, after she's gone, Vincent seemingly um, kind of it's very clear that he also knows that um, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's like he's like it, it, at first. It's like he's just like blindly like yes, and it's like more like as time goes on, it's like that he's willingly forcing himself not to notice yeah. essentially. <laughs> and he does say, uh, "Whoever you are, you are my son," um, which is sort of a weirdly touching moment. Yeah. Um, the uh, he um, yeah. So he had, so uh, at one point shortly after he inadvertently uncovers her breasts Mm. um, and is shocked, but it doesn't really change anything. Yeah. So then we're on to the second big gay party at the fire station. (laughs) Um, And they're all drunk, uh, dancing around with their tops off and their big sweaty firefighter bodies. And uh, uh, the firefighters, led by Rayanne, um, kind of uh, force Alexia onto the top of uh, one of the fire trucks and force her to dance for them. Oh, God, this feels so very And at, so and at this point, uh, Adrian uh, 
pulls out some of his Alexia dance moves yeah. and does like a sort of proper Slinky, sort of like sexy kind of swirly yeah. arms swirling kind of and thing. all of the firefighters are just kind of staring at her blankly not really knowing what to make of it because at first they're all like yeah and then they're like oh, yeah. what are you <laughs> doing because <laughs> um, she's like wiggling her bum and stuff yeah. and like being like kind of be seductive and it's just like kind of jarring with her kind of like shaved head and I don't know she looks so gaunt and kind of like mousy yeah Um, the uh yeah and then we see um Vincent the father walking in uh he sees it's very has a disappointed look on his face Mm. and then retreats um and after the party (sighs) Alexia has sex with the fire engine Um, in a similar style where she gets into the seat in the back mm, and rides around. Yes, coming furiously. Um, so then uh, her body kind of eventually breaks down and the uh, there's a bit where like a big rip kind of happens across her yeah, stomach. Yeah, she like, keeps scratching at one side and then just yeah. like basically pops open. And she puts her finger in it. I forgot about that bit. Yeah. And then there's like, like metal showing through. Yeah. The... Um, the uh, she reveals her real name to Vincent as she's approaching full term, um, and she sort of tries to like seduce him, sort oh, of. That seems gross. Um, and then he he kind of pushes her away, sort of. But he she's like asking for help anyway. Um, so he helps her to give birth, um, and as she's pushing the side of her skull, where the uh, where the titanium is like the the skin splits open mm. and she's obviously in lots of pain and her skin's sort of like splitting and she dies <clears throat> i sound like i was gonna cry there but she dies. Oh, she dies. <laughs> give me a moment <laughs> she dies um, and uh vincent is uh holds the baby puts the baby down and kind of uh kisses her or something and i forget what yeah kisses her on the mouth but she's dead yeah and then he takes up the baby and you were like they're not going to show us we're not going to see the baby we're not going to see the baby it's all wrapped up and I was like oh my god everyone wants to see the baby you can't not show the baby that'd be so annoying and it's uh, do you remember Brum (laughs) (laughs) it's Brum Um, (laughs) the uh, no it's the baby but it's got like a metal like spine and like little bits showing showing... like little metal kind of spine poking out of the back of his skin and then Vincent uh, holds the baby lies on the bed and is crying um, and you can just see the sort of the the metallic spine, um, and he just keeps saying, "I'm here, I'm here, I'm here," oh. and the film ends. Fa, fa. <laughs> <laughs> so where to begin? Oh. <laughs> um, it's a crazy film. I think it's definitely going to become like a cult classic. Um, I think... Do you? Yeah, I do. I There are lots of people who are obsessed with that. Like, I, those people are... So, like, this is why I, I was kind of excited about watching it, because I saw lots of, like, trans people, actually, specifically, saying that they were excited about seeing it, because they knew it was controversial, and they wanted to see what it was all about, and that they really enjoyed it. Um, and, um, and I think if you're the sort of person that kind of just, like, gets off on kind of uh, sort of glossy brutality, um, then probably it's the film for you. I think, I think it's, it's sort of like, I think, I don't know, there's, I think there's a lot to say and not much as well. It's like, there's basically like, I think 
in a way, like, it's quite strange in so much as, like, you start off with this kind of giant big bang of this kind of crazy, like, car show and these sexy dancers and you don't know what's happening and then just, like, like random serial killers. I don't even know how long the beginning of the film is, but it could be 20 minutes, like, just in terms of just how kind of chaotic and all that squished in it is. And then I think the second half is kind of, like, almost like a kind of love story or, like, a kind of, like... Because she doesn't do any killing in the second half when mm. she's, like the boy and I think I think it's like I like weirdly like I found the first like bit with the uh, like it was kind of like you know like the smack my bitch up video or something like it's just kind of like very kind of like glossy kind of like beautiful kind of like and there are bits through it where it's like a music video as well I think quite a lot with the lighting Mm -hmm. and the kind of like yeah the use of kind of slow-mo and like dancing to music and stuff um and I think the car show bit especially is quite kind of like sort of a visual feast. Um, but yeah, but also just like what the fuck's going on? Why are there sexy dancers on cars and why is everyone there and what is this? <laughs> um, I, I think, uh, which is much like you've just said, I think it feels like two separate films, the first half and the second half. And my, the tone of my notes that I took changed so much because I was furious in the first half. <laughs> but I'd been one round a little bit by the end. So... I thought the... I think it's to do with the genre of body horror. In and of itself, it's fine, but not especially interesting, unless there is a good story. And I don't think until the second half there was a good story in this. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And it's kind of like... like It's interesting hearing the director being like, yeah, you have to just get on with it. I'm not giving you a backstory or any kind of reasoning. It's just like... Uh, okay, I suppose, like, if you're making a point, I, like, but what is the point? Like, I, like, I, I kind of would have liked to have known a bit more about why she was a serial killer. Um, mm-hmm. and like, what, I mean, like, and I was trying to, like, piece together if there was any kind of logic behind the killings, like, because it seemed like it was people who showed her affection or love, but that she only really wanted to have sex with cars. <laughs> and so she was disgusted with, like, human sexuality. And so she was killing everyone who was trying to have sex well, with Well, I, th- I think it's about the difference between, uh, like, a machine and a human. She doesn't have any affection for humans, full stop, until she meets Vincent, it would seem. Yeah. Um, and uh, the... Oh, I don't know. I, so I, I, I wrote in angry letters... Trying to be smart in lieu of a storyline. (laughs) (laughs) You said early on, I don't think I'm going to like this. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it's not because like, I I can't really pinpoint it because I don't mind body horror stuff. I don't, I don't mind kind of like, oh, film festival sort of art housey stuff. Like I can get into it, but I just need a fucking story. And there wasn't one for so long. But then it does, and I mean, there were some great murders. Like, I love the chair one. Like, yeah, I thought yeah, there were some really yeah, great, yeah. Um, like, moments in it. But, um, but yeah, the first half just seemed like a series of uncomfortable, unrelated vignettes of someone just kind of mm. showing off about how shocking they can be. Vinaigrette. He's lovely. Yeah, I know. And, like, it was just because I was the same. Like, I was trying to, like, be a bit more, like, come on, it's probably going to get better um, watching the first half. But I was left really cold by the first half. Like, and I was really worried about where it was going to go. Like, whether it was just going to get more and more chaotic and that's, that's like, makes sense. And it's just like, oh, God. I mean, like, it doesn't ever really make sense. But but at least, like, the storyline when she's, like, adopt, not adopted, like, you know, goes home mm. and in Versicolors, 
is quite kind of touching and the kind of like relationship between her and the dad is quite lovely like even though it's kind of in a gross. creepy way yeah um and like i did i did end up kind of like just enjoying the film a lot went off after the after the beginning basically if i yeah. could have just forgot the beginning <laughs> I th- the weird thing was there was a bit where i was just like oh i yeah i'm into this now like i'm finding it weirdly sort of tender but uncomfortable yeah and then i was like and then there was a moment where i was just like Oh, God, I forgot she was pregnant with a fucking car. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But maybe that sort of, like, jarringness is is why it has been successful. Because it does offer, like... A genuinely quite moving story somewhere in in amongst all of this chaos um, and silliness. Yeah, and I think I think there is such a kind of, like, warmth and tenderness and, like, beauty almost in the second half. Like... Again, like if you do kind of overlook the kind of like car, little <laughs> shit being pregnant with a car thing, mm. um, it's I don't know, like, and so it's really difficult to kind of reconcile. I feel like it's just like it's like the first half is just like it's just a shock and make everyone uncomfortable and make everyone just like what the fuck is going on, like, and and it sounds like she had a concept for like. I want there to be a killer who's, like, a woman who's, like, remorseless and without reason and for it not to be, like, you know, a thing or having to explain it. Um, and that was done. And then she was like, well, let's move on to a story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if she continued to kill, I think that would have sort of pieced it together a little bit more. Like, if she'd gone out at night and, like, killed people for mm. no reason. Um but she stops entirely, and that's kind of a bit strange, I think, in terms of, like, if she's a serial killer, why is she... She's, like, being reformed in a way or something? I, yeah, well, she can only kill as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's strange, because it, it does feel like there's a huge disconnect, like, between the first bit and the second bit, essentially. Um, and maybe it's on... I don't know, maybe it's on purpose. I mean, obviously, she does do that thing where she, like she's escaping her old life and she kills her parents because <laughs> she's sort of like robbing out the beginning and just maybe trying to start again um, in a new identity. Um, yeah. And I guess in that way, then the story kind of like is like, well, you can't escape your past because you're pregnant with a car. <laughs> <laughs> brum, brum, bitch. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's really, actually, she doesn't, she doesn't have she doesn't have no comeuppance or remo- she has a comeuppance essentially by dying as a result of giving birth to the car like so she does get sort of an inverse of like punished so it's not really like an empowering kind of thing it's like she's kind of still gets yeah like yeah and this is the thing with all like women like um in films it's like such a trope that any kind of bad women like always have to get their comeuppance. There's no way they can ever just get away with it and just, like, go, bye, guys. And, like, it very rarely happens. Like, there's only, like, one film I can think of that does it really successfully, which is in the horror. It's called, like, The Last Seduction. It's, like, where she's, like, a bitch all the way through the film and gets away with it. Um, But usually it's, like, she has to be broken or, like, you know, beaten or killed or something. So, like... I'm just trying to think of a woman who does awful things but gets away with it. Does serial mum get away with it? (laughs) <laughs> or not I can't remember oh you don't know um, She yeah. it seems like she gets away with it but then she murders a woman uh, <laughs> yeah, then she's like oops <laughs> oh yeah I like to think she's still murdering now so yeah um, weird yeah I think it feels very much like a, a film 
of its time in that it's I've, I think I've said this to you recently. I'm getting a little bit sick of really unlikable lead characters. I want to invest in someone and like care about them. Like an anti-hero. And, and I yeah. ended up caring more about the father yeah. than I did about her, which is very unlike me. <laughs> um, the um, Yeah, I don't know. Like, and I th- So the reason I had this revelation recently was because, and I watch a lot of bleak stuff. Like when I'm not watching horror, I watch true crime. <laughs> like Ale- Alex and I always have this thing where we say that I can always hear like cartoons from Alex's room and Alex can hear like, <laughs> and they found the body of six children buried under. Like I, 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 I live for bleak and depressing stuff, but I need some like hope in things as well. Like, so what's that series that we that we both watched recently? Uh, made on Netflix. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. This yeah. really, really bleak, traumatic, horrible. It's not a horror. Um, horrible. But, but, but the but the main character is just like endlessly upbeat, but in like a realistic way, and uh, yeah, and best sees the best and, yeah. in people. Is really kind and like and not in like a sort of saccharine way. Just in like a oh, this is a good person who's experiencing horrible things. And not all characters have to be like that. But I I, I enjoyed it because it was just refreshing. To be like something can be can be dark. Not everyone has to be like pure evil, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I just I just didn't care about this woman. Um, like there were glimmers where you saw her softening towards the dad, where it was just like, okay, maybe. I thought it, like <clears throat> there was yeah, there was some moments of tenderness, like when she finds him passed out from his like like a steroid overdose, um, mm. like and she like cradles him until he like wakes up. I guess like uh, that's like. Nice, but it also that shot. Like there was a few like moments in the film that looked like they could just be stills and like be art, mm. like art photography essentially. And that was one of them, like her cradling him in the pink bathroom, just mm. like really kind of just like look like a like fashion magazine or something. It was like uh, <laughs> it was like uh, the first Saw film meets like Wes Anderson. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, <laughs> me- meets meets The Shining <laughs> Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually watch that <laughs> crossover. <laughs> um, yeah, like um, I don't know. I, I, like it's interesting because obviously I was thinking when you were talking about the mother, that actually she's the only like fleshed out woman, except for I guess Alexia. Yeah, I Justine at the beginning, the one that gets her nipple nearly eaten off. She's um, not very. She, she's not developed, but she's more developed than the main character. Isn't she? That's true. Um, I mean, I think there's only one fully rounded character in this, yeah, and that's the dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and even because, like, what gap is Adrian slash Alexia filling for him? Is it just one of loneliness? Or is it because he's? Or is it like? Is it a rare film about fatherhood? <gasps> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's also about motherhood to a car, but because um, he's also like a bit of a father figure to all of the firefighters That's as well. That's true. And like maybe that in him is because he's lost his son at a young age, but and now he's come back and he knows it's not really him, but his yearning for fatherhood is so strong that he... I think it's also, like, that's the, the creepiness comes through because it's kind of, like, a, like kind of an incestuous kind of, like, he finds her attractive as well. Um, I guess that's through the bit, like, the, the view of not seeing her as mm. his son. Um, and so it's kind of this complicated, like, kind of, like, she's feeling kind of a romantic and a kind of, like, 
familial love space mm. for him. Um, uh, which is an uncomfortable space to fill. <laughs> Speaking from experience, it's an uncomfortable space to fill. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so, um, and so yeah, like he seems like profoundly lonely to me. Like that's like, and I think that that's, and I think the mother recognizes that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, mm. And uh, she, it's not that she takes it, but it's just yeah. I guess she's like a, like a cuckoo. Just going in the nest and kicking all the rest of the birds out. There's no other birds. Who's a cuckoo? She's a cuckoo. Do you know about how cuckoos like lay their eggs in other birds' nests? Oh yeah. And the but their cuckoo baby hatches and kicks all the other chicks out. I didn't know that. Yeah, so they become the main one. (laughs) But who's the cuckoo in this scenario? She's the cuckoo. Alexia. Yeah. Who's she kicking out? Um, the hope of finding the sun. (laughs) It was. That's a very messy metaphor, but I like it. <laughs> yes, cuckoo. I, I kind of made that up as I was going I along. Think, I, I, I think you're the cuckoo. <laughs> the cuckoo of my life. <laughs> um, is, was there any of the bits that you enjoyed? Like, just uh... I mean, I enjoyed lots of bits. I think it was when they were put together that I was a bit like, oh. I don't know. It felt, and I, I always say this as if it's a negative thing, but it feels very film festivaly. And I don't, I, I love film festivals, and you know, some of the best films I've ever seen have been at film festivals. But there's just something about it where it's like, oh, this is a, f- this I'm watching a film that is made for critics. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and like, like that's the vibe. And like, yeah. yeah, and it's like, and and then I find myself thinking, what am I missing the whole time? And then it makes me feel stupid because I'm like, maybe there's something I'm missing here, and I'm, I'm I can pluck out a subtext from like <laughs> like a fucking truffle hound, <laughs> like but like I just I don't know what it means. And then I think, is it? Does it mean anything? Well, that's the thing. It's like it's a, there are obviously a lot of films. Like obviously, it springs to mind like David Lynch, for example, who like produces films that aren't meant to make sense, and you aren't meant to understand them. You're just meant to sort of take them in and mm. experience them as they're happening. Um, like, and those sometimes it works. Like, if there's enough other stuff going on, you don't necessarily always need it to make sense or have a storyline somehow. Um, but like sometimes it doesn't work and it just becomes kind of like boring because it's like, mm. I and I don't think this film was boring. I don't think there were any parts of it that were boring. Um, like I, I think the I think the shift from the shocking part to the kind of weird unsettling tone prevented it from being boring i think if the the tone of the first part had continued it would have been like yes yes get your fucking hat pin out (laughs) Um, (laughs) chew off someone's kneecap or whatever it is you're gonna do next and like um weirdly like i usually like have a such a like hatred for like uh dance scenes in films like where everyone's at a party and dancing like it makes me cringe to death like and i like usually i'm just like Ugh. um but like i actually found the dance party in this really compelling and it like it was kind of porny i guess like, even because, the, the beginning one yeah i loved it like and i think it's because it was like quite slow and it was like the men were all dancing together and kind of like I don't know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like sort of threatening the first, the first dance party. It felt kind of like sort of, uh, 
I hate saying that. I I, are you talking about the, in the car show? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I'm talking about the fire station. Okay. Um, I, I enjoyed the fire station ones. The yeah, car show yeah. one. The I, car show left me like, yeah, feeling quite numb. I feel like, I feel like the whole was a beginning bit. I was quite kind of like taken aback in an unpleasant way where I was just like, oh no, please don't be a shit film. Mm. Um, and please don't just be like this, like all high gloss and like no content and just like rubbish. Um, but like, I think there was just like lots of kind of like tenderness, kind of like an interesting kind of like stuff in the second half and then the fire station with the men. And obviously I don't like men being men, but it was just like, there was just like something, there was something quite kind of nice about the way that they were all dancing together and just mm. like, and just like enjoying each other's company in quite a kind of unthreatening and kind of violent way. It was kind of just like, looked quite, and it was quite, quite a lot of sort of slow shots, like of them dancing together and smiling. And it was just like, it made me feel nice for some reason. I was really like, oh, this is nice. Men aren't all <laughs> awful, are they? Um, uh, I mean, the second dance party was a little bit more kind of... Uh, they had, like, really, like, scary kind of thrashy music. Yeah. And it was like, they were all moshing. And um, they saw, Yeah, they were having a weird, like, mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very strange. Um, but, um, but no, I really loved the first, like, dance scene. Yeah, and, I like, like I said, I really hate, usually hate, like, dance scenes and things. It's just like, because usually you get loads of extras who are just like, I don't really want to do this. And you can tell, <laughs> and, and it's very apparent that that they all filmed it in silence. Or like it's a different <laughs> song, and so they're not dancing to the same yeah. beat. Um, and doing that fake kind of party talking, like, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I think. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I feel like maybe, because I think I went into this film expecting not to like it. And. I, and I don't think I am a, like a contrarian, but I do think that at the moment I'm very cynical about really, really well critically received horror because I know how dismissive critics are of horror that I really enjoy, yeah, which is kind I of see. throwaway. And it's like, oh, does it have to be so fucking pretentious to be good horror? Yeah. And like... <sighs> but that's, yeah, actually, that just reminded me of that like, bit in the new Scream, where they're like, oh, spoilers. I mean, they're just talking about films, so it's not really spoilers, but. Oh, I can't believe you've done you know, this. But, um, but how they reference, like, you know, like Hereditary and, like. Mm, um, fucking Babadook. Babadook. Gets a happy showing. Boobadook. And the Witch, which, oh, I mean, I, we shouldn't talk about because it's another one that everyone loves and we yeah. hate. Um, the, the Witch is, is style over substance. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, and so the 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 film The Northman that's coming out by the same person, which has got that's got Bjork in it. Oh right. And so I, for those of you listening, I'm obsessed with Bjork. Um, and I read an interview, and I was like, well, I definitely want to see that. It's also like Icelandic sort of uh, folklorey stuff, which I find interesting as sure. well. But I read an interview today, and apparently Bjork's scene's only thirty seconds long. Ah! <laughs> I wonder. Oh, interesting. Well, I was going to say that she was terrible, but then she was, yeah, she's a good actress. She was good in Dance in the Dark. And you're going to flip out now, aren't you? <laughs> she How won a fucking, you? She won at Cannes. <laughs> well, this one at Cannes uh, as well. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> I mean, Dance in the Dark is a pretentious film. But, um, but yeah, she. I think she plays like a goddess or something. Right, um, right, right. So she's, she just like says an incantation. Anyway, that's beside the point, really. Um... <laughs> Yeah, 
It's interesting. It was interesting. Yeah, um, I think I think actually, even talking it through now, like I've kind of come around to like. I wonder if like I'd gone into it like with a different mindset, like and sort of like known how it was going to progress in some way. So I would have let my guard down and kind of enjoyed the first bit a bit more. Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's no way of doing that in terms of time and space. Um, but it's just like, I think I think there could have been a way that if I'd known about the entirety of the, the, the film in some way, I could have let my guard down and kind of enjoyed it and let it wash over me the first bit a bit more. So I, I went into this film differently to you because... I so normally I think the majority of films that we do when it's my turn to do the I think I've seen most of them before we this was it's I think it's only like Simp Maud and this that we've watched yeah like cold yeah yeah. and Simp Maud was definitely a case of where we the more we spoke about it the more we were like that was a good film yeah yeah. that was good I'm not sure that same thing has happened to me with this but I also watched the film having read a, a full synopsis uh, and the reason I did this was to help me know how many notes I needed to take. Because nah! <laughs> um, I didn't want to have to write out the whole plot. Sure, sure. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, I suppose reading it, like, just as it is, without... Well, it was just like, and then Alexia has sex with a fire truck. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I'm going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, without knowing the kind of, like, the sort of tenderness of the kind of, I don't know... Mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 very chaotic, and I I think it's interesting. And it's I was thinking it's interesting as well because, like, I I mean, it's not like I don't know. It's just quite rare that you do have something as random as someone having sex with a car and as it being in a storyline that's like. Because I was thinking about like Crash as an example is the only other example I can think of um, where somebody has sex with a car and it's like, but it's really about car wrecks and like having sex in car wrecks. And I was like. So, I don't know, like, I mean, there's probably more examples, <laughs> but, but you, I, I You know, know what it reminded me of, and the thing is, this is going to be of no interest to anyone listening, um, <laughs> you'll oh, be yeah. pleased to hear. What was that film that we saw at the London Film Festival? I God, I can remember the cinema we saw it in, but I can't remember what the name of the film was. And I think it's either Korean or Japanese. And it was there was this big like month like tree monster thing uh, in a yeah. barn with tentacles, and people would go in and have sex with it. Yes, um, that was weird. It was. I remember quite liking it though. Yeah, um, I like that cinema as well. Which one's that? <laughs> Central it's the one somewhere. where you go up all the escalators. Oh uh, yeah, like Picture House. Yeah. Oh, boycotting Picture House. Anyway, whatever. Uh, um, anyway, I'm sure this is fascinating yeah. for our listeners. Oh, and sandwich. <laughs> I bet I got cheese and pickle. I, I bet I got a big Coke. <laughs> I love a big expensive Coke. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the film. Um, actually, I wonder if they'll show this at like Flair. Maybe. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, we'll get on to whether or not this yeah, is a queer yeah, film yeah, or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's. I was a bit frustrated actually when I was researching. I mean, there's no reason why everyone has to disclose their sexuality and gender identity, but I was. I, I couldn't find out how the uh, the writer and director identified. It's interesting because I. I I don't know this about Raw, so people who've seen it like will probably just be like, "Oh, shut up!" But I think there's more lesbian stuff in Raw as well mm. than her first film, so it'd be so weird if she wasn't queer. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll get onto straight people doing queer things, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's unusual. 
It'd be weird if she wasn't in some way slightly. Yeah, weird. I think I, I think if if you if a lot of your output is very like gay and queer and you're not, then it's just like what. What are you so unhappy about in your life? Like, <laughs> get your own story. <laughs> get, get out of my life. <laughs> wow. Representation. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what, what a can of worms yes. we're about to open, I think. Um, so, uh, I mean, like, I think I think we should work in a different order for this one and build up to, like, gender and women, actually. Like, um, and maybe uh, also queerness. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe we'll just not do them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, like, to start with the disability representation, I, like, her metal play in her head isn't really a disability, and I don't think it's... Well, I so... I mean, I... <sighs> so, if you have an injury that changes you in some way, is, like, I don't know, because we're supposed to think that this turning point in her life is getting a titanium plate in her Right. Um, is she disabled? No. Does she have a sort of... Uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's not. It's not representation. Uh, I mean, it's representation of people with plates in the her space, but it's... <laughs> probably not the kind you want. No. Uh, I I too became a, a, a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I don't think there's a lot to say about that. No. Um, uh, people of color. There's no main characters of uh, who are people of color. The in the fire station, uh, I, th- I think it's fairly diverse. The, the, fire, the fire station, station is, and yeah. the and her, actually in the, in the beginning she just killed a black man. So yes, that, and a, like an Asian man. Oh yeah, um, and so that's great. <laughs> that's great uh, representation. And the the woman that's getting harassed on the bus is a black oh, woman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's fairly. I think it's fairly diverse in terms of cast. I don't think it's. Um, it's not like, but it's not like. Yeah, I mean, it's not like positive or like affirming in any way. Of, like, no, it's it's like, it's fairly neutral, which I think is yeah, is good. Fine. Like some some of the characters are black, some of them are brown, some of them are white. Um, Get over. And there are only really two main characters. I think there's probably only a, three named characters in it. Yeah. Um. um so yeah. Um. So now we've got that out of the way. <laughs> so <laughs> I just really like. <laughs> um. So women, should we do? Um. So, if we're going by um, the director's standpoint, then there is something positive about this from her take, which is I'm kind of reclaiming the narrative of the sort of motiveless violence of men and putting it in a woman. Um, I, it's weird because it's like, is that a good thing? <laughs> like, I, like um, I guess um, it balances things, maybe, but is it the sort of balance we need um well i mean i i don't i don't suppose it really matters i no. mean <laughs> not to just completely undo our whole folks on representation but in this film i think it's like, hard to to figure out what what is poignant or yeah. important because it doesn't really feel like that kind of film so if if we forget about the main character for a second um 
I think the more likable characters left are women, which is the mother and Justine at the beginning. Um, right. They, uh, I think the mother in particular, considering she's only in it for a millisecond, manages to do an awful lot. Um, and I find found her sort of brief arc very moving. Um, and it's interesting because <clears throat> she's the only, well, only woman, it'll say, except for... <laughs> Uh, so in the second part of the film, like, yeah. Oh, except for that brief scene with the woman on the bus, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like it, like only speaking character essentially. Um, so and I, I guess that is intentional as well because I the director probably very purposely chose something that was seen as a very masculine profession, which is firefighting, and it's all men, and then she's found herself in this world that is purely men. Um, yeah, um, having to sort of yeah hide. Um, and it seems like her relationship with her parents at the beginning. So she, it seems like she didn't have a good relationship with the father to start with. Yeah. Um, but then following the accident definitely doesn't, but the mother is f- f- pretty much neither here nor there really. Yeah. So she doesn't see. Seem- Cause she wasn't in the car and then you only see her very briefly, like picking up the hospital and then does she even speak with her? Like, oh, she talks to her about her stomach hurting very briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it does feel like they've got quite a cold sort of like distant relationship. There's a weirdness between the dad and her, I think, at the beginning as well, which is kind of like, I, yeah, there's something going on that's a bit peculiar that you can't really put your finger on. Like when he's like in, examining her, there's something funny going mm. on, like in terms of like the way she's reacting and the way that he feels about it. Um, but yeah, you can't, you can't really tell what it is. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and then... We're going to try and talk through Alexia. Um, I, I, um, <laughs> this feels like such a difficult uh, topic. I just like, um, because she's meant to be like really uh, like passionless and emo- like emotionless. And so it's quite hard to kind of like warm to her or feel anything really. Um, and obviously the senseless killings as... I've said our senses is they just say like, you don't know how you're meant to feel about what she's doing like it's so quite confusing and so you don't I don't know like there was a small moment when she's in the house and that woman's escaping where I was like get her get her kill her <laughs> um, uh, uh, but I also thought that was like it was a sort of serial killer trying to like get away with murder and having to kill everyone in the house mm. I was like yeah get her get her get her uh, but um, but yeah I don't know like you're not like you're not like I don't know. You're not rooting. Are you rooting for her? Even in the second bit, like I was like, I was like, when's she gonna get found out? And like, this is like an impossible situation. Yeah, I think the th- the thing is as well, like the the idea of her getting found out or in some way becoming a victim at the end felt a bit sort of um, like it didn't really matter because she'd already proven herself to be able to. It's not like she's. It's not like we were gonna see a sort of. Uh, boys don't cry kind of moment because we know that she can kill a room full of four people (laughs) um, quite easily um it's there was no the vulnerability that we saw from her was not one that really had her threatened in any way it was in her just softening a little bit towards the end and kind of asking for help um yeah um yeah i i think in a weird way maybe the director has kind of achieved the, the reading of her not and, and it's not as like a genderless person or and certainly not like a non-binary person 
but sort of like a machine. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm not invested in this person because they haven't got a personality, <laughs> they... emotions. They don't speak. Um, they just sort of bumble from one horrible situation <laughs> to the next. Normally, that they've caused themselves. Yeah. Um, Mr. Like, like, the a, murder world. like a, a malfunctioning toaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I think the trans conversation may need to happen now okay. in regards to queer representation shall I tell you why I thought this is transphobic go on she the the bind the first binding scene she is binding uh, to not to address dysphoria sure she's she's doing it to deceive and this notion of deception is a very classic transphobic yeah i see that approach which is that these people are transitioning so that they have access to something else and are deceiving people in the process which is exactly what she's doing and that's yeah, not yeah. that's not reflective of people who bind in real life. They're not doing it to deceive people. They're not doing it to escape from a horrible crime or to be able to commit other crimes. They're doing it because that is the thing that makes them feel less dysphoric in their body. Yeah. But it's... It's it's weird because that's obviously talking about the context outside of the film. Um... And I just feel like what she, like, in the bit that she was talking about when the interview was just saying, I don't know if I remember this correctly, but she was, like, trying to, like, downplay the importance of the gender switch in a way. Um, and uh, I just, like, it's like, a, it's like a, it's a, it's a trope in films that's happened, like, it exists since the dawn of time that people pretend to be men or women to uh, hide or to escape situations or to, um, like it's like it's uh, you know there's a whole chapter in like the zine I wrote about like that as a like concept like gender swap but not because it's to do with like uh, dysphoria or transness just to like for situations that come up like I want to play on the boys sports team um, and it's and... Not, but the, as a, as a as a trope it's not always transphobic yeah this I think was <clears throat> I think there was something I, I did read I didn't read too deeply into this but I did see that there was some criticism about the notion of in of the father injecting as well and oh. him in some way kind of modifying his body um to kind of slow the aging process or something or what, whatever his motivation was or to kind of hang on to his masculinity or something mm, um and yeah. uh, which i think in a way is more interesting because the it's talking about the idea that actually there are cis people who uh, who have treatments or do things to their body that are gender affirmative. Yes, and this is like a top a recent like, thing that I've seen actually really come up on TikTok a lot. Um, uh, TikTok, blah. Uh, but, um, but people talking about how like cis people have a lot of like, gender affirming surgeries and procedures and it's not really ever framed like that. It's just like, you know, like lip fillers and just like... Any I, of, like, I saw something similar to... I and, saw like, a picture like the other day that was showing a man before and after getting like his jaw sort of like yes. uh, squared or something yeah, 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 and it's yeah, like yeah. 
you can't tell me this is not gender affirmative surgery. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, like quite, it's, it's become quite kind of like a topic recently, I guess, like pointing out how ridiculous it is that like people say like damning of trans people getting gender affirming surgeries or procedures, but like cis people do it all the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, like um, I didn't think about that in terms of the dad. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, I just... Um, I don't know, I just, I'm hesitant to say transphobic. I think it sort of falls into a kind of tricky area um, that that is, um, that can lead to transphobia. Uh, and like the, the what she's like, because obviously for her, she's not doing it for transphobic reasons. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, and it's uh, nobody in the film itself would have read anything that she did as transphobic. Nobody does. And like, the dad obviously doesn't acknowledge that she's even maybe not a man or a woman. It's I don't know. Um, and I think it's like the external environment we live in that everything's kind of like so highly toxic that like you kind of have to defend everything like that people do to a point. I don't know. I'm just going down a transphobia rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, because I, like, so when I was thinking for the awards about the queerest moment, and I was like, maybe, I just, I don't want to say this is a queer film because I just think it's done so sloppily. Yeah, I um, don't think, I don't think it would be fair to describe it as a, a queer film, as a, like, as a main sort of, like, category mm. of it, or, like, even for it to be listed as a queer film on any kind of, like, Netflix or anything. It's just, yeah. like, I think that would be misleading. Like, um, definitely not a trans film. I don't... And that's the thing. I don't think that she's... She's trying to be trans or that she is... You know, so... The, no, she's the, definitely not, which... She's trying to deceive. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, which is my point, really. The Because I was thinking, like, the fact that the the mother and the father are both weirdly just like okay with it i was like is that a bit of sort of trans acceptance it's like no it's not because she's not trans she's not trans she's pretending to be a boy so she can live in safety and like uh, it's uh well i mean in that way yeah it's a really tricky one i think i really like uh, i feel very reluctant to label it as transphobic because i feel like there are a lot worse like culprits for this in the world i, I mean that's um, not a good reason <laughs> no and I, no but i think that it's kind of like more a reading um of transphobia and I, I can understand exactly the point you're making um uh but yeah and then maybe it would feed into a kind of uneducated cis person's mind of the idea of like trans people being deceptive um but you'd hope I mean, hope, whatever. But um, but you just you just kind of hope that people are smart enough not to kind of like project that kind of. Oh, we know better it. than that. I know. I remember I started saying it was like, well, hope people, cis people aren't stupid. <laughs> Sorry, cis people. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think. Um... Yeah, I don't, I don't. I really don't know what I think of this. I think this has been the most challenging film to think about in terms of like. Uh, representation because on one hand it can be read as deeply deeply problematic um on the other hand it's so stupid <laughs> that it seems silly to even talk about yeah, what, yeah, what, exactly... what what is a representation of trans people well there isn't any because this woman has sex with a fucking car i mean like we we, <laughs> uh, we queered the gremlins last time so i think it's okay to... <laughs> um, uh... the gremlins is canonically queer <laughs> um yeah i just yeah i think actually uh, just to maybe i don't know whether we want to wrap it up but like, I, I mean i don't have any conclusions to 
No, I, I think probably um, at this current time, in this current climate of transphobia... Yes, it's not the right time is, to make the film. This is what the problem is. Um, I think, weirdly, if it had been made, like, maybe 10 or 20 years ago, people would have been like, wow, that's groundbreaking and incredible. So I would say ten, uh, 20 years ago, because the, a film that just sprung to mind there that I have similar feelings about, but I actually really love... And I can't remember its fucking name. <laughs> it's a um, Almodovar film. It's the, I mean, all of his films are problematic yeah, in different yeah, ways. Yeah. But the it's one of the more recent ones, probably from about ten years ago, where uh, someone has it like undergoes a, f- a forced sex change. Oh right. Um, and the, the, I've seen that one. The front, I, you should. I, I I like it. But uh, and the I'm uh, not an Almodovar fan. Oh, really? Shocking news. Anyway, oh. carry on. The um, the front cover, oh God, what is it called? The front cover has got like, um, uh, like Gail Garcia. I don't know that he's in it. Okay. Um, it's got like someone that's just been in surgery. Oh, I can't remember. But anyway, it it's like it, watching it is when it came out like ten years ago. Whenever it was probably longer, it was deeply uncomfortable. But it's like this is a, is a objectively a good film, but um, but it's problematic and maybe it's not the right film to make at this time and like it yeah, had yeah. a lot of those sort of yeah um, and like i was saying there's like i think there's a lot of kind of like films from like specifically the 80s and the 90s where like gender swap was quite kind of like uses a kind of comic device and like it's quite kind of in comedies essentially um lots of like mainly women switching to men um, to do silly things like get on sports teams or to prove that men get it easier than women and things like that. Um, where, like, it, it, I think people would struggle to make that kind of a comedy now. <laughs> like, I think you can't. And I think, I don't know what that is. Because I, I don't know if those films were in... I mean, they were problematic, but, I, yeah, it's, it's weird. I, feel I mean, like I'm thinking just... about something like She's the Man. Yes, exactly. I think it's harmless, yeah. if I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think maybe that's, that's yeah. But the thing is, like, in all a lot of them, there's always kind of a storyline where um, a guy who is heterosexual will start fancying them and not really understanding themselves and like understanding why it's happening. And I think that feeds into the kind of like sex deception, sex deception sort mm. of it's like kind of like area. So I think if yeah. you were to view it in that like the the way that we're viewing this film it, it, now, it would be problematic, and that's why they won't make a film like that mm. like again. I, I wouldn't imagine like. Um, where, yeah, like, and I think it's just like we're getting to a stage where that can't be sort of a comic device, or like, and I guess with this, it's quite kind of like it's a device, like, that I just can't tell whether it's meant to be clever or not. Like, it's just, it's very confusing. Are there any, like, sort of gender swapping, for want of a better term, films where the characters aren't trans that is not about deception? I mean, it always is ends up being about them deceiving people into the, mm. what gender they are. So it's not you can't really it couldn't it couldn't be, <laughs> um, yeah. Like it's like there's always sort of a reason. Like even with like some sort of Shakespeare, like early Shakespeare, early early Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer his more recent stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but, I mean, it just goes back to that. Like, I mean, the, the reason I think of it because there was like film adaptations that carried that through as a, as a narrative. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, it's just, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I think, I think basically what I, I, can, talking, I can actually uh, forgive Shakespeare, not only because, because it was, uh, like 500 years ago, but also because, <laughs> um, he was a big old queer and yeah, like yeah. he was in love with this androgynous boy and like I know <laughs> I think I think I think, <laughs> I, I think uh, you can forgive it because also it was probably really groundbreaking and affirmative to people yeah. at that time and also like, I, I like so... theatre at the time was queer anyway because all yeah. the, uh, all the characters were played by men anyway um yeah, so maybe basically the the the, what the point we're getting to is, <laughs> is that oh there is one um, no the, <laughs> it's not the right time for this and maybe actually the kind of like the gender swappers deception is kind of like it's 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 not a good thing and not a good look essentially anymore mm. and it doesn't really work. It's the wrong time for someone who's not trans to be making a film that kind of pushes on those buttons. Yeah, yeah, mm. agreed. Okay, I think I think we've finally got there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed listening to that. <laughs> um, uh, so, should we talk about queer again? This is uh, it's not as complicated, but I think it's sort of I don't know. Uh, do you mean aside from the trans stuff? Yeah, because obviously she she gets with men and women. Well, oh God, I completely forgot that she yeah. was bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and she murders them all. Yes, <laughs> indiscriminately murders them all, <laughs> like Pennywise. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I mean. That's there. I don't know if there's much to say about it, really. Um, no. And, like, also, like, it doesn't seem like she's ever really into the sex that she ends up... She, it seems like she just ends up in situations where she's having sex with people. Well, she was into the sex with uh, Justine because she found a bit of metal. Metal, metal nipple. <laughs> That's what I mean. It wasn't really about her. It was about her yeah. metal nipple. Um, metal nipple. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, her sexuality is cars, isn't it? Yeah. She's um, car sexual. Car sexual. There is that thing where people have sex with objects. Yeah. Please let's not include it in the LGBT. <laughs> section of the it's everything like... under the umbrella. <laughs> it's in the plus. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, I'd like representation of people who have cars, actually. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't invite me to have a stall at Pride. <laughs> vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> beep, beep. I'm sorry I'm late. I was having sex with the float. <laughs> we'll love us now. <laughs> we should stop before we, yes, I know. Before we get cancelled. <laughs> um, uh, shall we do the awards? Oh, yes, please. Yeah. You sounded like Louis Armstrong. (laughs) We have all the time in the world. Thank you. Um, uh, that was enchanting. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you for joining in. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> so yeah, let's do, do this. Shiz. Sure. Um, uh, who was your best character? Mine was uh, Alexis Hairpin. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> Thank Beautiful. you. Um, mine was uh, Foamy Mouth Soup Sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, who yes. appeared twice. Uh, yes. Once in the car park and once in the, on the sofa in the Pals party. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I always forget if I do this in a different order than you, but I've got Spoopius next. That's correct. So did you have a Spoopius? I didn't. No. <laughs> there were bits that made me go like, but yeah. it was like, it was like uh, sort of gratuitous, like... Yeah, shock porn sort of the at the beginning. At least. Yeah, the the bit that like I was like a bit like I don't know. I, there was like moments of just feeling a bit chilled um, by Alexia um, when she had like a broken nose, like specifically the scene on the bus actually, where she's kind of just glaring at that woman with really like blank sort of wide eyes, and she looks kind of like she also does that at the party, one of the parties, um, and um, she just looks terrifying all of a sudden, where it's just like, oh god, she's like a horrible killer person, you kind of forget. Um, so, but it was like a glimmer, it's not really a spooky film, it's it's uh, more of a what do you think was the most shocking bit? Um, you'd think it'd be the birth, wouldn't you? But I, not that. I mean, I think we were desensitized yeah, by then. Um, I think it's between the nose breaking and the um, the chair through the mouth. Um, I think for me, what about you? <laughs> uh, I would agree with that, but also add the like incessant scratching oh, that yeah, she was, that was doing gross. on her belly. Like, yeah, the bit where she was really scraping at it and then puts her finger in. That was actually yeah. and maybe that was my worst. But I don't know. No. Um, we did scream the most of the nose break. <laughs> the nose, I just can't bear it. I couldn't bear it. Because it was a build-up. Because you, know, you were going, I'm not watching, I can't watch it. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't watch it. I it, like, it wasn't actually that, but the build-up was much worse. Because she's really, really building it up to it, like breaking it. Yeah. She's like walking back and forth for ages. And so it's just like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going to happen? Uh, so yeah, I didn't actually see it. Um, so I'll have to take your word for it. Um, so uh, what was your funniest moment? I struggled with this, you know. Um, I've just... Uh, it's weird, I've just... I've, I've rereading my notes and I've completely forgotten about this scene until I've just reread it. Um, and um, it's the scene where, like, they go... We didn't talk about it. Because this is the thing that confuses us as well, because as firefighters, we didn't understand why they were first responders to a medical emergency. Ah, yes. Um, Apparently common in the US and in France. Yeah, so I didn't know <laughs> that. But um, So they're at this kind of, like, uh, guy who's... Did like, we say this is a French film, by the way? I don't know. It's a French film. You said French Brazilian, actually. I didn't know anything oh, about Bulgarian. Brazilian. Oh, Bulgarian. Did you say um, Bulgarian? A Belgian. Belgian, I, I said. said Brazilian I said Brazilian I meant French-Belgian. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird combo. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yes. Um, can you think of, apart from Les Diaboliques, can you think of any of the French horror films? Uh, not off my head, but I'll, no. I'll ponder on it. Mm. I'm sure. I mean, I'm, of course, there will be. Of course, of, of course, course, of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, so the, the, there's a scene where she goes like, they go to the um, this medical emergency, and this guy is OD'd, and there's this kind of like scatty old mum woman who's like looks like a scarecrow, and um, she's watching the like them doing CPR on her son, and she, I, I mean, like, this isn't the bit I found funny, but I, I did find it funny, but this wasn't the bit I'm talking about. Uh, so she, she's watching. It's like, oh no. Oh, 
I was going to say, oh, should we? I don't know what that means. Um, Popple mousse. Um, and, um, oh, should we means today. Uh, that's a weird long word for today, isn't it? Uh, so, um, so yeah, so then she like clutches her like, heart and falls down, and then he's like, oh, not another one. <laughs> Wait, he didn't say that, but that's Not another one. But the bit that I found funny was after that was that um, Alexis' character has to do CPR on the mum. And um and he does it to the tune of Macarena and he's like da da ba da 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 So that that was that bit for me. Did you have a funny bit? I didn't, but I'll say that as well. Uh best death. Best death was the chair in the mouth for me. Yes, for me too. Um I thought that was great. Yeah. I think most of the deaths were very good. Yeah. What, was that your favourite? Yeah, yeah, that was my favourite as well. I mean, it was so gross. Um, and like, and again, you didn't actually see the, the final bit, squish. but it was enough to be like... Yeah, but she sat on it. Um, but yeah, um, and worst ass, um, there, I, I just put that, like, because there's that random guy who comes down in his pants, and I don't really remember how he died. The, like, stabby crowbar in the back thing. No, not, not the not the guy she meets up on the lap, because the other guy who comes down in his pants down the stairs. That's Chairmouth. Oh, fuck. I thought there was another character that I just forgot, no. like, oh, damn. Um, uh, so I don't have a worse. <clears throat> I said the crowbar back. Because I was watching it and I had to ask you what had happened because it happened so quickly. You don't see it either. It's just that you see that she's holding a crowbar. So yeah, yeah you're right. That is the last one. Mm. Um, queerest. <laughs> what did you say for Queerest? Well, I just decided to just ignore the obvious and go with the, the fireman's party scene. I said that as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, Because I think you can read that as being this really weird, like kind of homosocial, homosexual kind of like... Bacchanalian yeah. sort of as, as well as the, the first one the music is quite slow and synthy yeah yeah and, it's um, and it feels very down. gay bar-y yeah. and like it's uh the lighting is all kind of like purple and it's just like it does that they're in some kind of like bar like some sort of yeah like yeah. gay bar I'm, I'm happier to read that as as queer than I am anything to do with Alexi's character yeah I, I, yeah I just think it's just like yeah the I guess it's like the best or the, the most enjoyable. <laughs> um, and did, did you have a sexiest character? I have two. One oh, of them yeah. is probably going to be the same as yours. And the other one I think you're going to find controversial. It's not Walnut Bum Dad, is it? It is Walnut Bum Dad. Oh my goodness. I know. I think I think he's got something quite attractive about him. Well, yeah, it's and probably has... that missing father figure that you always wanted, wasn't it? <laughs> that, that, miss, that missing walnut bulb. <laughs> that I always wanted. That little walnut whip I always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and the other one is probably the same as who you said. Ryan. Yeah. Oh, he is beautiful. Mm. Like, big laps, just like a luscious, beautiful man. Mm. Um, also, like I, I kind of like the fact that he's... Um, Quite kind of jealous of the the relationship with the the dad. Like I find that quite kind of like yeah, I quite yes. enjoyed that as a kind of like wanting like a man's attention and like being jealous about it. It's like I want the attention. It's me. I'm the actual. Yeah. I'll inject so. your walnut bun, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> daddy, daddy, oh daddy, I'm writing <laughs> to, to walnut bun. <laughs> 
Uh, so, uh, uh, pumpkins or walnuts. No. <laughs> How many walnuts? Uh, <laughs> um, this film doesn't deserve its own category. Uh, we, we only do, it's, it's either pumpkins or Christmas buds. <laughs> and we only do one episode a year of Christmas buds. <laughs> So you're going to say, or to be honest, uh, I have said one and a half pumpkins. Oh, wow. Quite scathing. So up until about halfway through, I was like, this is a one pumpkin film. <laughs> Were you actually thinking about pumpkins? Yeah, I was so angry within the first half because I was just like, oh, we should have done The Exorcist or something. <laughs> um, but then I thought the... I thought it then shifted into being a film interesting enough for me to be to follow and mildly like. <laughs> I can't think you gave it half for that, though. Well, I, I should say, I think I'm a generous marker in general. But also, uh, one and a half pumpkins is still good. It's not one pumpkin. It's not no pumpkin. It's not that we've never given. Have we ever given no pumpkins? No, no. we gave the Babadook one. Oh, did we? Each, <laughs> not collectively. <laughs> <laughs> one walnut whip. Um, I think. Yeah, I'm not going to go like. I think yeah, two point five pumpkins. Um, because I thought it was interesting in places. And it was quite visually pleasing, and I enjoyed the moments of tenderness. And I, I, I like, I generally don't like seeing collections of men or anything to do with men. Um, but for some reason, I didn't mind it in this film, which mm. was quite rare for me. <laughs> also, here's the question, and I, 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 I'm definitely not a purist about this, but do you think it's a horror film? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, what else would it be? Like, I guess, like, could it be sci-fi? No. Um, yeah, I think it... I think it, it... Yeah, I mean, like, what else? I mean, it's it's other things as well, but it's. It, I think you couldn't really put it in another category. Mm. I don't know it's primarily horror. I mean, like, serial killings and brutal murders, like, that is horror. That's not like, yeah, like... Rom-com, mm. is it? Well, <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Well, in, in, uh, in other contexts, it might be a thriller. Sure. Uh, but this is not a thriller. No. This, this is not thriller. <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> what Beautiful. about in your thoughts? I don't think such a Yeah, I, I can see that it sort of skates, like, the genre. Oh. Um, but I think it has to, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... process of elimination. Yeah. <laughs> guess who? Uh, <laughs> dream phone. <laughs> it's horror. <laughs> he likes almost every film, but he doesn't like horror. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Great. Great. Well... I'm exhausted. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> So it's it's time now for some levity in the ah. <laughs> it's not really um, but uh, it's, it's it's time for the spoopy bit. Oh, 
You know what? I've just had a horrible thought. What? Just as we, our eyes met as we were saying that, it reminded me of fucking Shay Diaz on and just Ah! like that, going woke moment. And it was like, oh God. We should get a woke moment, (laughs) fun. Woke moment. God, are we Shay Diaz? Oh God. (laughs) It's so funny. I saw people, oh, this is a segue to Shay Diaz chapter. Um, (laughs) But I saw people online just like being like, this is the representation representation we didn't want, but we can't look away from. <laughs> yeah. I saw someone say, you know, that, that, that last episode with the Pride Parade. So we're just like, this is what a Pride Parade looks like, but made by someone that's never been to a Pride <laughs> Parade before. Those people standing it, watching it, on stage. A, a boring comedian. <laughs> yeah. and, and there's a section for allies. God. We should review that because it's the most fucking haunting thing I've seen. <laughs> Anyway, we we are Shady yeah, Yes. Uh, that should be the intro next time. I am Shady House. And I am also <laughs> Shady House. <laughs> the Woke moment. Work uh, uh, moment. Anyway. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. <laughs> uh, fuck you in the kitchen. Uh, anyway. So, um, so, yes. Back to my story. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, on the theme of... Uh, monsters or monstrous peoples impersonating children um i thought i'd uh <laughs> talk to you today about changelings ah, um, yes. so uh there's lots of different folklore across the world about changelings but for today i'm just going to focus on the uk version if mm-hmm. that's all right with you oh that's absolutely fine maybe we can revisit um sure. so uh so in the 17th century it was actually and truly believed that there was a threat that your newborn baby or Bibi, uh, could be swapped out by fairies or trolls uh, by one of their own. It's like the 17th century, like, what a time to be alive. Anyway, um, <laughs> so trolls apparently believe that it was more respectable to have your baby raised by humans. Um, for fairies, it was sort of their babies were frail and prone to illness and death, and so they'd rather snatch up a human baby and give their frail, dead, like, dying one to the humans. Um <laughs> Uh, and some, I, I don't want this one. Yeah, this one's great. <laughs> um, and then sometimes uh, the fairies wouldn't even swap in like an actual baby. They'd uh, create a magic uh, like wooden baby um, that they'd put in as a replacement. That would just like as the magic faded, it would slowly like die, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just die. It's really dark. It's dark. Uh, it's now time for some levity. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, elves, as a side note, uh, wouldn't actually swap out a child, uh, but in their old age would shapeshift into a baby and in the hopes that they would oh, be adopted and looked after as they, oh, they get I, I'd look after a little granddad elf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, back, back to the main. Uh, so, uh, the mains. Uh, so, um, you can apparently uh, spot uh, change them because they didn't grow no matter how much they ate. Um, they also had, as they grew, like, wizened or deformed appearances. Um, and some were active, where others would just lay there in the cradle like dolls. Um, yeah. <laughs> um however, despite their grossness, uh, uh, changelings <laughs> often demonstrated wisdom, um, unbefitting a child of their age. And speaking in sort of, a, yeah, like, too, like, in a sort of too wise way. Um, I love this story because it doesn't make any sense. Um, so, uh, one story tells of a mother who asked her child to prepare a meal in an empty eggshell. Of course. Um, <laughs> amazed by the request, the changeling expressed his surprise and gave himself away. 
It's not a big human baby. How? <laughs> Just be like, Mum, that doesn't make any sense. Where, like, maybe a child would be like, Okay, I'll try oh. and make an egg meal. <laughs> I guess I'll do that now. Yeah. Um, you know, what's funny about all this stuff is like, that's too stupid and weird a story for someone to have made up. <laughs> it must be real. I can only deduce. <laughs> um, and in this case, because it was found out the fairies returned her own child. Um, I don't know how they found out that it got caught by kind of cooking meal in an eggshell, but there we go. <laughs> um, so if a parent suspected their child, and this is real stuff, by the way, as well, like it's, it's, I say it's folklore, but it's actually like real stuff that people did. Um, if a parent suspected their child might be a changeling, they could hang them in a basket close to, but not in the fire. Um, if it was indeed a changeling, they'd, uh, they'd relinquish their human form and disappear up the chimney. Um, <laughs> uh, and if you wanted to bring back the actual child, and I'm not sure why you wouldn't. Like, like, uh, I'd rather just have no child. <laughs> yeah, just rather evaporate up the chimney. Um, parents would do the same thing, but using a, a hazel tree branch as a, like, the suspending thing for the basket. Um, if it like let out like an ungodly scream, uh, reveal, uh, revealing its changeling nature, uh, the parents would. Uh, this is so weird again. The changeling would take it to a crossroads, where a corpse would be passed over it, um, and the fairies would restore the real child, a human corpse. Yes, human That's... corpse would be passed over a baby at a crossroads, and it would magically change back to their actual child. That sounds like a lot of admin. <laughs> <laughs> I actually called it admin later on. Um, so, um, so yeah, you'd expect that most parents would want to avoid this kind of admin in the first place. And so there were various ways to prevent it. Mm-hmm. Um, the most at risk, apparently, were fair-haired children and unbaptized babies. So you have to be actually careful with those. Um, according to historian uh, William Henderson from 1879, he said that people in Northumberland uh, considered it particularly unlucky to take an unbaptized uh, child on a journey um, in case the fairy stole them. Uh, to fend them off, they'd place garlic and bread. Garlic and bread? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and steel uh, uh. in a cradle uh, to prevent it. Um, <laughs> imagine if they had steel garlic bread. <laughs> uh, um, Just imagine. Imagine that world. <laughs> um, other ways to deter them, including placing an iron pin in the cradle, as fairies are apparently allergic to iron. Um, or hanging an open pair of scissors over the cradle. Uh, <laughs> that's very safe for me. I think so. <laughs> um, others just use the uh, sign of the cross and holy water. More simple. Oh, classic, yeah. Classics. Um, uh, so this is my last paragraph, and it is quite a haunting ending. Um, oh. So I apologise, but I guess Thank it suits you. the film. <laughs> um, so there is sort of a really gruesome, very dark side to this, which is that... Um, Sort of fear more of... gruesome and dark than passing a corpse over a baby <laughs> on a crossroads. Well, the fear of changing sometimes led to mothers murdering their children, it was, and it was quite sort of commonplace, um, especially if children's had deformities or like birth oh, defects. Um, apparently, one woman in 1826 uh, drowned her baby in such a case and was laughed by the judge because she said it was a fairy changeling. Um, uh, and as such, it's... That sounds like that should be your drag name. Fairy Changeling. Fairy Changeling. Let me go backstage and Fairy Changeling. As such, it's speculated that it was actually quite a common cover story for parents who murdered their children, essentially, at the time, that they were just like, they were Fairy Changelings, so... Um, the thing is, though, 
a cover story or, I mean, probably both, or if you so strongly believe in something and your baby's behaviour changes or mm. then, <laughs> you know. I know. And you don't have a corpse to hand to pass over. <laughs> uh, don't know the where the crossroads is. <laughs> you live on a roundabout. <laughs> um, you don't have a chestnut branch. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, they... But yeah, just uh, I'm stunned with the thank God we don't live in those times. Imagine. Mm, to know. A I, simpler I, time. It's a simpler time. <laughs> I, would, I, I would quite like to have like little people toe for elves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> little babies that are yeah. grandma elves. <laughs> Come <Yeah>. on, Mavis. <laughs> time for burpees. <laughs> and you can do your knitting. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you put a little positive spin on the end there. <laughs> If you're enjoying Bloody Marys, please subscribe, like, and review on whichever platform you listen to us on, and share with your friends. You can follow us on Instagram at Bloody Marys Podcast, and that is Marys with a Z. Um, and you can also find a link to our spooky Spotify playlist there as well. Uh, our theme tune is by Pink Pound, and you can follow them on Instagram at Pink Pound Sound. <laughs>